Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York... Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. What is going on, my people? Hopefully everybody is doing well. John Middlecoff, Three and Out podcast. That's me. That's the show. So let's dive in. Eagles 49ers. Massive game. Some stuff that I've spent a lot of time thinking about Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy and wanted to discuss them. Adam Schefter said there's going to be seven to ten job openings this early January. Obviously, there are already a couple. And why that would be very, very good news for a guy named Bill Belichick, as well as the AFC playoff picture. Some thoughts on Harbaugh after the Ohio State-Michigan game. And we will do the Middlecoff mailbag as well. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. But first, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also subscribe to the YouTube. Appreciate everyone that has. And let's podcast. Go search 3 and Out merch and get yourself a hat. But first, before we dive in to some Eagles 49ers thoughts, how about we do a little exercise? Grab your cell phone, 
And when you grab your cell phone, go to your apps. Type in a little app called Game Time. They happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. Do you want to go to a game? Do you want to get out of the house and enjoy yourself? You want to go to a concert? Do you want to go to a comedy show? Well, I have you covered. Here's what you do. You sign up for a pair of tickets, anything. College, pro, concerts, comedy shows, you name it. And then you type in the promo code JOHN and get $20 off. Go enjoy yourself and do it on me. In these inflationary times, throwing you a $20 discount, how do you beat that? Hint, you don't. So go have a good time. Do it on us. Promo code JOHN. And I don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Download the Game Time app. Promo code JOHN. Eagles 49ers. Let's be real. We were robbed of a game last year. Now, I've never thought the Eagles didn't win at fair and square. They knocked out Brock Purdy. But the moment Purdy went down, and given he was their third-string quarterback, they had Josh Johnson, who then also got a concussion, the 49ers played a half where they couldn't throw the forward pass. The Eagles could have won that game playing seven guys on defense. It was not a fair fight once the Eagles created the, the mismatch, right? But now we get at least, hopefully, a precursor of what's going to come again in the playoffs. Because I think we all would say that the game coming in the NFC Championship game is Eagles 49ers. I think it would be an upset at this point if it isn't those two teams. And I've been thinking long and hard about, like, Jalen Hurts is a guy that, you know, I did not like a lot coming out of college because I didn't think he was a good enough passer and he's blown by my expectations, and anyone that watches football, right? If you watch college football, no one would have acted like Jalen Hurts was going to become what he's become on the field right now, right? Just like the Eagles would have told you when they drafted him in the second round, they never thought he was going to be this. And I was watching the uh, Tiger Woods press conference today. He's making his comeback after a 70 million surgery to have a fused ankle. The dude's got a fused back, a fused ankle, and... Unlike a lot of younger athletes, right? He's in his late 40s. He has hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. He has an unlimited amount of accolades. So at this point, he's just playing for the love of the juice, right? Like, I gamble because I, if I go put $1,000 on Cowboy Seattle Thursday night and I win the bet, once I actually win the bet, it doesn't do as much for me as the three hours of watching the game. So even if I win $900, right, if I bet a minus 110, the juice and the action of that game is basically what I'm paying the $1,000 for. Now, if you lose, it sucks, but it's also the juice and being on the edge of your seat. That's why athletes compete, right, to be in the arena, the competition. It's why these guys, you're able to pay Steph Curry $50 million, Patrick Mahomes $50 million, and you see zero drop-off in their effort. Right, Because it's not ultimately about the money when you're actually playing. And one thing I, I underestimated with Jalen, and this is the hardest part about the scouting community, because I, I say it all the time, in any other industry, if I'm acquiring a 30 40 $50 million a year company, a $200 million purchase, acquiring assets, I have a pretty good idea on an Excel spreadsheet of its liabilities, of its cash flow, of what I need to be worried about, of some of the long-term question marks, of its fixed costs. like Everything's pretty black and white. Yet when I draft a player, I can't measure the stuff upstairs. I can't measure your wiring. I can do a lot of research on it, 
I can feel pretty good about how seriously you take football, how much you care, but I don't ultimately know until I'm around you. And it's why people often complain, like, how do you keep missing on these draft picks? Because these draft picks are human beings, right? Human beings change. I'm dramatically different at 39 years old than I was at 35 years old, let alone 25 or 20 years old. If you ain't growing, you're dying. And I think most human beings would probably agree. We change with time. Successes, failures, money, family, you name it. We grow. We just, not always positively. And the one thing you see with Jalen, and this is the thing I respect the most, is how seriously he takes football. Like he, this thing, like listen, they get to play a kid's game for a lot of money, and ultimately it's fun. But I don't care what you do. Whether you're a musician, whether you're a football player, whether you're a podcast, everything eventually becomes a job. And whether a lot of people aspire to do what you're doing, a lot of people want to be sitting in your seat, you never, you never want to take that for granted. But when you're paid or when your job is to do something, whatever that may be, you better take it pretty seriously. you know. And I think that at least the quarterbacks that I've grown up, especially in my high school to present day life, watching Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes now, they take this shit seriously. Like, this ain't just a side hobby. Hell, this ain't just, I kind of like football. This is a way of life. And now your personality shows through it. But I think specifically when you watch Peyton and Tom, it was like, God damn, they are not screwing around when it comes to football. And I think the same thing with Jalen Hurts. And now listen, his mannerisms when he scores and he doesn't celebrate, like, His focus, it's like he's a coach on the field. And he said over and over what he's taken from Nick Saban. When you think Nick Saban, you think, God, that is a serious MFer, right? And when I think Jalen Hurts, I think very, very seriously. But he's not serious in the sense where he can't interact with anyone because his teammates swear by the guy. And I think part of that is whenever you are working with or working for, and let's face it, when you're the quarterback, everyone's kind of underneath you, especially on the pay scale. They kind of look at you. Like, you're the guy, when you walk in the building, the team goes as you go, right? The Eagles, when they're playing like shit, usually Jalen's playing like shit. When Jalen starts throwing touchdowns, making big plays, they start looking a lot better. Like, he's the heartbeat of the team. You have to be able to depend on these guys. One of the reasons I turned on Trey Lance in terms of a player, I'm like, yeah, just get rid of him. I'm over this. Because I saw the players. And I put a lot of stock into what elite players think about their teammates. When they put all their chips in the middle of the table and they go, I love this guy. I want to play with this guy. Even when he has limitations, I go, God, they must bring something to the table that we don't get to see. And I saw the 49ers do that for a long time with Jimmy Garoppolo, who was a very limited player. But they really liked him. And being liked by your teammates matters a lot. But not just gaining like respect from them is through your work ethic, is through your toughness. And it's through knowing that you are reliable in game. It doesn't mean you're always going to win. But it means that you will do everything humanly possible to help your team. And I think Jalen obviously has been very productive and they've won a lot of games. But this is why they turned on Carson Wentz. Because Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, these guys, Lane Johnson, saw something in this guy that is not quantifiable. And listen, he has quantifiable skills. 
He throws a great deep ball. He's an excellent athlete. He's a great runner of the football. I mean, he's got 11 touchdowns through whatever, 10 games. Like, he's going to get 15 touchdowns on the ground on top of 28 that he's going to throw. So he's going to accumulate, I don't know, 45 total touchdowns, right? When you think about some of those guys, like, throwing 40, 45, 50 touchdowns, most, especially the pocket quarterbacks, the Bradys, the Mannings, they're not running for any. So if Jalen throws 30 touchdowns and, and accounts for another 15 with his legs, like, that's the same fucking thing. Like, he, he scores a lot of points. And you got to be, it's a productive-based business. Production-based business, right? You win, you lose. You help your team win or you lose. You either get the job done or you don't. You get fired, you get cut. Like, it's, it's the ultimate meritocracy. Like, Frank Reich said it. Like, listen, I like Dave Tepper. I have a lot of respect for him. But this is a business, and I didn't get the job done. I got fired. Like, it's understandable. He didn't fire me because we're 6-5. and five. We're 1-10, and 10, right? We fucking suck. And I think you go back to Jalen, his separating factor, and still to the moment against the Bills from the moment he got in the league, is upstairs, his mind. And it goes back to some of the incidents over the course of his career. Last year, Sirianni lightened him up, unfaced. Didn't yell back. Not that he can't. If he wants to yell back, that's fine. you got to be able to take that. And mental toughness, to me, with athletes, but I think in the business community, is what separates people. Because it's so easy, anyone, when things are going well, you're making a lot of money, you're winning a lot of games, you're throwing a lot of touchdowns, right? If you're a movie star, your fucking movies are a hit. It's easy to be excited. It's easy to want to get out of bed and enjoy life. How about when shit's going poorly? How about when you lost four games in a row? How about when you're injured? How about when your team's not as good? Those are the type guys ultimately you want. And and it's hard, right? And this is the hardest part about scouting. How do I quantify what they've been through? Well, look at this quarterback matchup. Jalen, now listen, he had first-class college problems. He was at Alabama. He got benched. He was told by Nick Saban, you're not good enough. We don't want you to be the starting quarterback. And then he went to Oklahoma. And he had an elite year, right? But he was told, like, whether it's Nick Saban or whether you're at Fresno State, if you're told you're not the starter, like, I'm sorry. Brock Purdy begged better programs to give him a scholarship they wouldn't. He was Mr. Arizona. And I looked up today, in 2019, the all-Big 12 quarterback, first team, was Jalen Hurts. The all-Big 12 second team was Brock Purdy. Then Jalen Hurts goes to the NFL, 2020-2021, first-team All-Big 12 quarterback, Brock Purdy. And I see similarities. Now, Jalen has more physical ability. He's got a better arm. He's a better runner. And he's just bigger and stronger. But I think both guys upstairs, one of the reasons that one guy's a second-round pick, came in with Carson Wentz, was never going to start, wasn't named the starter. Like this, Most people thought it was a fucking crazy pick by Howie Roseman. When, when you're the seventh-round pick, no one's even paying attention to you. I, I didn't even think the guy was going to make the team. And now, for whatever, four or five years later with Jalen Hurts, he's a superstar. Two years later with Brock Purdy, like, as he goes, the 49ers go. Like, when he's throwing touchdowns, they're winning. So it, it just shows you sometimes going through a little adversity, having the mental fortitude, you have to have it. It's impossible to not have mental toughness and be a good NFL player. It's definitely impossible to be a high-end NFL quarterback. And I think Jalen has it in spades, and I've seen it with Purdy as well. So very, very excited for this game. Massive, massive matchup. I think there's more on the line for the 49ers because ultimately, like, the Eagles are going to be the one seed. I'm sorry, they just are. So the Niners are going to have to go on the road again. 
And the Eagles have just beat the Chiefs and the Bills in knockdown dragout games. I would imagine they're going to be a little gas for this. They do not need to win this game. To me, the Niners do. If the Niners don't win it, coming off extra rest on Thursday, it'd be hard to take them as seriously against the Eagles in the playoffs. Right? I think if they win this game, it doesn't mean the Eagles are not going to win in the playoffs, but it makes this game just... I think it has a chance to have a little bit, especially the way the NFL is shaping out, like when I was a kid with the Cowboys and the 49ers. Like whoever won that game was going to win the Super Bowl. I think that's probably the case. And the best part, like those games, we're going to get it twice. It happened forever with Peyton Manning when it was with the Colts and the Patriots. It's like whoever's winning that game, and the Patriots won a lot more than Peyton did, was going to win the Super Bowl. So I'm fucking fired up. Adam Schefter told Pat McAfee, that he thought seven to ten job openings this uh, Black Monday, you know, that week. There's already been a couple, right? The Panthers fired their coach. The Raiders have fired their coach. I, I wrote down, you know, the Chargers, I think we all think are going to fire their coach. The Bears, I'm sorry, Eberflus, you're seven and 24, like you're done. I think the Patriots, I, I think it's fair to say that Belichick's not going to be the coach moving forward. Uh, Washington, Ron Rivera is not going to be the coach. And then there are a lot of curveballs, right? like Tampa, Todd Bowles, New Orleans with Dennis Allen. I, I don't even know. Maybe there's a couple, like, could Sean McVay just go to Amazon for $20 million a year? I'm sure there are a couple. You know, Mike Vrabel, the conversations won't die, even though I think that's crazy, but it, it is what it is. So there are going to be a ton of openings, even if there are just seven. Ask yourself this. Are there seven candidates? Are there seven candidates right now that you would feel good about? Start naming them. Like, even if you're listening to this, you're probably a big football fan. Like, who is, and let's assume this. Jim Harbaugh is not some guarantee to leave Michigan. His, as Colin says, his dad lives next to him. He fucking loves the place. They've stuck by him. His team's sweet. He's really got the thing rolling. Why can't he become a Kirby or a Nick Saban? I mean, what if he wins the national championship this year? What if he wants to win another one? You know, there's no guarantee. I think we all assume that, but he's been there for a long time now. I don't have great faith to be like, Jim Harbaugh's definitely coming back. So if he doesn't come back, beside the Lions guy, like who are the great coordinators? Who's like, oh, that's the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan? To me, do you know what this is shaping up? Bill Belichick is going to be the pick of the litter. He is going to be the team or the guy that teams are going to want. Because he does a couple things for you right away. Let's face it, he steals headlines. If you're the Chargers or you're the Bears and you hire Bill Belichick or Washington, you don't think like, I'm sorry, I don't care how shitty these last couple years have gotten, Google the fucking resume. It would make waves. Now, obviously, the story, the moment he is relieved of his duties, the Patriots are cool with trading him, however that would work, that would be a big story. But whenever he goes somewhere else, it'll be by far one of the biggest stories in recent memory when it comes to coaches. Think about Sean Payton this year. He's a great example. I think hiring coordinators, let's say the Bills were to fire Sean McDermott. Can you afford with Josh Allen, same thing with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, to risk it on a coordinator? Can you do that? Like, Listen, if you listened yesterday, you know the information I've been told by people in the league about Brian Dayball. It ain't pretty inside. So you just think next year it's going to get better? (laughs) I don't. You think he's just going to change his ways? What if these coaches want to leave? What if they have a whole new staff, right? Their quarterback situation is a disaster. They just won a meaningless game, so it's going to be harder for them to get one of the top quarterbacks. And this notion that every coordinator is just some can't-miss guy, it's like quarterbacks in the draft. 
And I, I thought Sean Payton early, like most people, like this is crazy. This is not going to work. But there's a reason they pay him $18 million a year. He knows what he's doing. And he can handle being a head coach. Because being a head coach is about more than calling plays. It's about more than, you know, developing a scheme against a certain defense. It's about knowing when to get rid of a locker room cancer. It's about supporting your coaches. It's about being hard on your coaches. It's about supporting your players. It's about being hard on your players. It's about managing the entire operation. And a lot like quarterbacks, anyone can handle and pump their chest out when you're winning. You win a couple games in a row. Everyone's on their knees giving you a reach around. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's easy. How about when you lose three in a row? How about when your team gives up 70 freaking points? Everyone thinks you're a fraud. Everyone wants you to fire their coordinator. Everyone thinks all your players suck. Can you keep the ship from sinking to the bottom of the lake? From just hitting the, the iceberg like the Titanic and just going under and everyone dying and the season being a waste like last year with Nathaniel Hackett? And he can. Now, are the Broncos going to win the Super Bowl this year? I don't think so. Are they even a lock to make the playoffs? Of course not. But I think we all have to acknowledge, like, Sean Payton knows what he's doing. Is he, you know, Belichick in his prime or Andy Reid? Probably not. But is he pretty freaking good relative to the rest of the NFL? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I think when you're hiring these coaches, and if you're a team, if you're the Chargers, and you're paying all this money to Justin Herbert, I I can't afford to hire a coordinator. I I can't risk hiring. I don't care how awesome the coordinator's resume looks. What if it's just one of those guys that flops? Then I just waste more time with the quarterback. I'm paying all this money. How is Bill Belichick not the guy? Right now, maybe Bill doesn't want to come to California. He's a Northeast guy, likes kind of that corridor, which I get it. We all are product of what we like, right? I like the West Coast. Though, you know, I'd move to Nashville or Jupiter, Florida tomorrow if it made sense, if it penciled, right? Maybe eventually I do. But, I, you know, as you get older, maybe things change. Maybe it's just professionally you look for the best opportunity. And I think he's going to be hard-pressed. The Chargers are much more equipped to win if they have Herbert than the unknown of drafting one of these rookie quarterbacks. So I think everything he went through the last couple of years with Mac Jones has to probably push him toward dealing with a veteran. And the moment he becomes available, and let's face it, he's going to become available. He's not going to coach the Patriots next year. If you watched him, like it's it's over. And and sometimes divorces aren't just like everybody hates each other. Sometimes it's just like it's time. Like it's time. Not every breakup is contentious. Sometimes it's like listen. I mean, it's hard. It's emotional. You have a lot of equity built up if you're the Crafts and your Bill. But sometimes it's just time. And, and I think it's just it's just kind of time. And I think the Chargers make a lot of sense. A lot of sense for Bill. One thing I was. Uh, I was looking at is the AFC playoff picture. A lot of people have been like, call your segment the herd hierarchy, but do it the middle and just do all the middle teams. I was thinking like, could I do, call it like the mud and just do the worst teams? I haven't quite figured it out. It hasn't quite come together in my mind. And I think about it a lot, trying to find a specific name for to do something different. Because like people hit me in the DMs and they're right. Like any anyone can you know, rank the top teams. Like, everyone does different versions of that. Now, ranking the shitty teams, that would get kind of boring. I, I do think the middle would be kind of fun. And when I say the middle, like some of the fringe wild card teams, some of the teams right on the outskirt. But I did look at the playoff picture today, and I saw that uh, in the AFC, basically five through ten, so there are six teams for basically three spots. 
The Steelers are five. The Browns are six. The Colts somehow are seven. Texans, Denver, Buffalo. And what I think is crazy, and I said this yesterday, I've never seen a team get more credit for getting yards, but not many points than the Pittsburgh Steelers last week against a Jake Browning-led Bengals. It's like, we got 422 yards. It's like, oh shit, you score 30, what do you win the game by, 30 to 13? No, we won it 16 to 10, but we're headed in the right direction. It's like, Jesus, the bar is low. Which, in fairness, the bar was low. But again, think about the last time a team made a coordinator change and you talked about like yards. We, well, hey, they've been scoring 15 points. They scored 27 points. It was awesome. They scored 16 points. Belichick said this forever. Yards are so overrated. If I lead the league in yards allowed, but I have the number one scoring defense, who cares? Red zone defense matters, right? Holding you to field goals, not touchdowns, turnovers. How many yards I give up? To me, it's somewhat of a hollow stat in the sense of, are you converting those to points, right? Are are you doing anything with that? So I think the Steelers, listen, they're going to make it. They play the Bengals again just based on their schedule. But I, I didn't see anything last week that would make me feel stronger about where they're going. And then the Browns. I would say that's one team that I'm a little nervous about. One, their star player just got injured, right? He had an MRI, he's day-to-day. But if Miles Garrett is not 100%, that, that's a big problem for them. And two, I'm sorry. As long as Dorian Thompson-Robinson is your quarterback... I'm not taking you seriously. And I said this, I think I tweeted this out during the game when he got rocked in Denver. And they threw a flag for, you know, I don't even know what the, unsportsmanlike conduct, late hit, whatever the fuck on the, on the quarterback. The defender, in my mind, did nothing wrong. Maybe he launched a little bit. To me, he's excelling through the quarterback. It was on the backup quarterback for running out basically right into the guy. And I'm all, listen, I am the number one proponent, part of the reason football has separated over the years, and it's in its own little world right now, is the number one television property in America, is because of the star quarterbacks and because of offense. It's not even disputable. So I'm all for protecting Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, whoever. The guys, Dak Prescott, the guys that matter on the big teams that are printing the money. I'm sorry. I don't think the rules should apply to the backups. Like, the moment your your backup quarterback starts the game, I'm going to be a little more liberal with how I call some of these late hits. Because some of these late hits are on the player. He's just scrambling around like a duck with his head cut off, and then he gets mollywopped because he doesn't know where he's going. Like, why does he deserve the benefit of the doubt? One thing I saw Tom Brady talk about, and I agree, this notion with this word defenseless, we're on a football field. If you play peewee football, let alone high school football, all the way to the pros, nobody is ever defenseless on a football field. So when you're going over the middle of the field, nobody is defenseless. He knows other people are there. But a quarterback, part of it is like, get rid of the ball. Why? Because you can get hit. So I'm a big proponent of backup quarterbacks not getting the same treatment as the star quarterbacks. Protect the star quarterbacks. Piss people off on social media with kind of weak calls. All for it. We need those guys. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson getting the same treatment? Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James get a different level of treatment than Jordan Poole and whoever else the scrubs are in the NBA. They're not all treated the same. Why? They're not equals. In sports, equality doesn't exist. 
Some guys, more important, more valuable, just like the private sector and in business. I would treat the backup quarterbacks the same. So as long as you're rolling out DTR and, and P.J. Walker, your defense is awesome, but this isn't 1987. You're not going anywhere. I'm sorry. Indy, maybe I'm going to be late to the party, but and Gardner Minshew has made some plays, and honestly, I just looked at their schedule. Their next couple games are like the Titans and someone else shitty. I mean, they're, they're going to find a way probably to win some games. I mean, to continue to win some games, though they're also the type team, like, are they guaranteed to beat the Titans with Minshew? It's pretty incredible what they've done. If they were to make the playoffs this year with Gardner Minshew, you could give this guy a vote, Shane Sykin. You really could as coach of the year. But I, I'm going to be shocked. Like, to me, I like teams 8, 9, and 10 more than any 5, 6, or 7. Now, the Steelers, just based on record, they're getting prob- they're minimum getting to 10, and I think they'll probably get to 11. This is a huge game this weekend between Houston and Denver. Whoever wins that game, especially if Denver to win it, I think we'd start talking like, could they be a wild card team? And I'm sorry, like if Josh Allen's going to play like that, you have to understand if Josh Allen played like that against, I don't know, 95% of the NFL, like remove the Niners, the Eagles, and maybe the Chiefs if Mahomes was having an out-of-body experience, they're winning that game. They're winning that game. So everyone acting like the Bills just shit the bed and losing that game is crippling to you know, where they were because of their record. But it doesn't end them. If that is the way they're going to play, they're going to win games. So I, I still take Buffalo seriously. Not seriously as like some Super Bowl contender, but I, I would not just count them out because they lost that devastating game to the Eagles. One thing I've been thinking about, it's, it's been in my head since watching some of that Houston Jacksonville game is do you know what's crazy is how fast things change that's why I like the stock market it's why I like talking players and coaches and football everything's fluid you know I mean you could have some long bets right in a player in in a company but you better be ready to pivot like if you love Bryce Young okay totally get it but if he still looks like this in a year like you're gonna have problems and you're eventually going to have to look in the mirror and admit it to yourself, right? Nobody liked Brock Purdy coming out. We all have to admit he's pretty freaking good, right? It's just, it's just a fact. So I, I think when you look at C.J. Stroud relative to Trevor Lawrence, I think for the next five years I would take C.J. Stroud. And if you factored in the money, like part of it is Trevor is, if I'm the Jags, like I'm not paying Trevor after this season. I would pay him after his fourth year. But C.J. Stroud would be in year two. He's still got multiple years on his rookie contract before I even have to pick up his fifth-year option. So right now, C.J.'s numbers compared to him obviously are a lot better. He has seven more touchdown passes and two less interceptions. Now, Trevor's a little more accurate, but you can't watch that game. And listen, I'm not trying to act like Lawrence is some scrub. I, I think a lot of people do that when a guy struggles. Like, can we have a conversation? Like, yeah, we're having a conversation. He's not as good as we thought he was going to be. What's the conversation? You want to act like he fucking sucks? No, he doesn't stink. He's not Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield or anything. Desmond Ritter. But he's not playing as well as the hype. He was compared to Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck immediately was dramatically better. So I think we have to acknowledge this guy's not Andrew Luck. Just because you're not Andrew Luck doesn't mean you're not a playoff-level guy, which he is. But relative to the way he was, you know, kind of anointed, you know, C.J. Stroud, for a guy that went second overall, did not have the momentum of like, oh, this guy's some can't miss, going to be some great player. And that's what makes a draft fun, right? Because if every time we just anointed a guy that's a can't miss, 
you know, it, drafting would be easy, but we know that's not the case. So I, I would say if you're the Houston Texans, you got to be pretty excited. What, one more th- quick thing. That Ohio State-Michigan game, one, was fantastic. But two, how many teams that have, you know, an elite coach, a Kirby Smart, a Nick Saban, a whoever, Lincoln Riley, we could argue how good Lincoln Riley is, but the Lincoln Riley before he, we viewed him this year, could go on a three-game stretch and finish it off against, you know, not just your rival, but clearly one of the best four, five, six teams in the country, even at home, and win the game. It's one thing if you're just beating the shit out of them, but play a tight game and find a way to win it. And I think the answer is slim to none. I I just do. I do not think an assistant coach, even if the other guy got to coach all week, would make that big of an uh, an impact on game day of just when things got tight, could handle it. Michigan lost... You know, a guy that's going to go in the top couple rounds, their team captain, star guard. Now, you can say it's a guard, but still, dude had his leg shattered. I saw J.J. McCarthy say, when I looked down and I saw one of my teammates holding his ankle in place, that's a sight I wouldn't wish upon anybody. And I just saw Joel Klatt posted something that, you know, the, the vibe of that play and them chanting his name. He said it was just an emotional time in there. Next play, Corum scores a touchdown. But one thing I think that an underappreciated part of Jim Harbaugh is how good he is at hiring assistants. I think Harbaugh's ability to not only hire elite assistants, but capable young guys, mentor them, and put them in positions is like one of his most underrated attributes. Because when you think Jim Harbaugh, you just think this physical team, his defense is always good, his run game's always good. I don't think we do enough, a good enough job of talking about his assistants. And Sharon Moore... The interim coach, his offensive coordinator, his online coach. I mean, six, seven years ago, the guy just was hired as a tight end coach. And this guy's a couple years, this guy's like 37 years old. He played for Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. He's just clearly a football guy. And they did not skip a beat. And I heard Coward have his take was like, anytime a business can lose the leader and not skip a beat, that speaks to the leader is kind of good at what he's doing. Like Jim Harbaugh, the last three years, here's the other thing. I often have said that. You know, when it comes to the sign stealing stuff, I thought it was a little overhyped and over just we made a bigger deal of it than it was, though it was a juicy story. Like, what do you even say now? Obviously, Ohio State would have changed their signs. Harbaugh wasn't even there, and they beat him in a big game and not a big, a tight game. So, like, Ryan Day actually earned my respect more in that loss than he has in any previous game I've ever watched him play. Like, that was an impressive loss. His team was physical. His team didn't get just like shoved around. They just weren't good enough. Now, he kind of gets tight in big moments. And ultimately, as quarterback, he has a big downgrade from last year to this guy. But, like, listen, I'm not one to act like Ryan Day some scrub. Though, I hear a lot of people act like it's insane that Ryan Day should be fired. Where, yeah, no, no one's acting like if he's fired, he's Jimbo Fisher or Tom Allen at Indiana. But you're paid a premium at Ohio State. You're talking $9, $10 million. He is the highest salary pool in the country, meaning his assistants. He has five assistants in college that are paid over a million dollars a year. It's one thing to lose to Jim Harbaugh. It's another thing to lose to a 37-year-old O-line coach. It just is. I'm sorry. So I understand there's a difference in a message board acting like Ryan Day sucks ass. It just needs to be run out of town. Yeah, that's stupid. But to go, is this guy good enough? 
is this guy good enough? I always hear like, well, how do you up? You're Ohio State. You pay an unlimited amount of money. You're not A&M who has to pay just to kind of be relevant. You pay a premium because you're also a premium. And like, if he can't beat Michigan, that is a major problem. Now, he's obviously not going anywhere this year, you would think. But if he were to lose to Michigan again next year, even if he wins all these other games, I'm sorry. Like, I- I'm going to feel no sympathy if they fire him. <clears throat> Here's the other thing. The Big Ten is going to get a lot more difficult next year. So just playing Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota, like those games, those days are kind of over. Oregon, Washington, even USC and UCLA who are down are better than those programs. Now, Wisconsin, Penn State, like it's just going to be more difficult. And I've always supported, I think depth in your conference when making the argument around bowls is a little overrated. The only importance of your conference at the end of the year is how good are your good teams. Now, if we want to value like how great the wins are, but like whether Alabama, whether we're nitpicking an Alabama win, Alabama's really good. Georgia is excellent. Ohio State and Michigan are awesome, right? So if Rutgers sucks, if Maryland sucks, if Iowa sucks, whatever, we know those two teams are good. Like the Pac-12, like, you know, might have even been in a weird way, got overrated because everyone was nostalgic that they were leaving. But, like, their two teams, Oregon and Washington, are really good. So, I I think that Harbaugh has just always put together a really good staff. And this weekend was on big-time display. And to me, that's the argument against Ryan Day. Yeah, the dude's, that guy's going to be a head coach eventually, I, I would imagine, right? But you, you're not allowed to lose to him. You're just not. Like Brian Kelly, he's getting bailed out a little bit because he might have the Heisman Trophy. But I can't pay you $90 million and you lose to Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. You, you're allowed to lose to Georgia and Alabama. Ideally, we'd like to beat those guys every once in a while. And he did last year. You're not allowed to lose to Ole Miss. It's not acceptable. Like You can lose to Florida State week one. That, that's okay. Not allowed to lose to Ole Miss. It, it cannot happen. And that's one thing that's Ryan Day's argument. is like, I'm losing to nobody except him. But it gets to a point where like you have to beat him. You do. And right now that program... I have zero affiliation with that area of the country. That game's fucking awesome. That game is badass. I mean, it, it really is. There, there's a level of, like Auburn, Alabama, for example. I watched a lot of that game. Auburn had just lost to New Mexico State. It's your classic rivalry game where they're clearly not as good as Alabama, but it's on the road. They're going to play them tight, and it's just cool to watch. Same thing with Washington and Washington State. The, the talent discrepancy of the two teams is wide. But it's kind of, you know, David versus Goliath. That Michigan-Ohio State, all like Duke and North Carolina in basketball when they're both good, it's like Goliath versus Goliath. And there's something kind of cool about Goliath versus Goliath, right? And that, that's what makes that rivalry so badass. It never really feels like the little engine that could versus the big bad wolf. It's always like, no, th- these are two bohemists. It's like Amazon versus Google. You just don't see that anywhere else, right? You don't, in any of the rivalry games... They weren't even remotely close. They, they were enormous spreads, even though they were close. And part of what makes it intriguing to watch, like when Jalen Milrow has to make that pass to barely beat Auburn, it's like, God, could Auburn pull off this crazy upset? There is no upset in Michigan, Ohio State. It might as well just be a pick game. Just a great product. Okay, before we get out of here, it's time for this week's player I thought might give almost, almost anything to redo his game. Brought to you by Uber Eats. 
A lot of respect for this guy. He's a journeyman. He's been about, it feels like, 20 different teams in the NFL. He started for, I think, three or four, definitely three teams over the last calendar year. The Titans, the Cardinals, Minnesota. But you play Monday Night Football, and you throw four interceptions, and your coach after the game was like, yeah, I was thinking about benching him for Nick Mullins. I think Joshua Dobbs, the hype train, and he earned it. This wasn't just created hype. It was substance behind it. Kind of ran out of gas. Uh, So I think Joshua Dobbs would be one of those guys. Monday night football, you can argue it's an awful game. Millions of people are watching. You throw all those interceptions, even if some of them are tipped off, you know, guys' hands or helmets. That's a tough, tough box score to see and to lose a game when the other team, you know, can't score a touchdown. I think Joshua Dobbs is an example of a guy that would like that one back. So that's this week's Almost Almost Anything Player of the Week. And you can order almost almost anything with Uber Eats, the official on-demand partner of the NFL. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And uh, let's answer some questions. You guys know how you get on the mailbag. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Let's start with Arturo. What up, John? 
Long-time listener, first-time messenger. I had one question. I understand that we haven't fired Brandon Staley yet, but I'm sure we will. My question to you is, if we were to hire Harbaugh as our next head coach, hypothetically speaking, my team has been known to underachieve, what are some things you believe he could bring to the table to turn the franchise around? And do you believe that if we did hire him, we could really make a run of the championship? Well, I, I think this. When Jim Harbaugh shows up places, they immediately improve. And then they immediately win pretty big. Now, I understand he's never won a Super Bowl, and as of right now, he's never won a national championship. But I think relative to 98% of other coaches in college and pro, he is better than everyone else. When's the last time you guys had a good coach? Marty Schottenheimer? Right? Brandon Staley, Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy. Like You guys are kind of recycling different versions of average, mediocre. And I think Harbaugh would not just immediately give you credibility, but he'd immediately take you to another level. Now, does that mean win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But you'd go to the playoffs, because I watched him with the 49ers. The GM and him hated each other's guts. The Niners were not going to give him an extension. The team was falling apart at the seams. Willis retired. Kaepernick wasn't playing well. And they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, think about the same thing that's going on with your team. You're going to win like six games. His team, in the ugliest of times, went 8-8. Eight and eight. So I, I'd, I'd be pretty bullish if Jim Harbaugh was my coach, if I were you. Long time riding in. Love the pod. I sort of had an epiphany today, thinking about the enormous Jimbo buyout and the Deshaun Watson contract. Colin likes to call the Browns a low self-esteem organization. And I think you could probably make the same claim about A&M. Similar to the Browns, the Aggies have perennially underachieved and have always been the little brother to Texas. I think both organizations took a leap of faith on a bad contract. I think there is a legitimate correlation between their low self-esteem and result in decision-making. Well, the Browns were very, very desperate. Like, that's not debatable. The only way they could get Deshaun to accept a trade to their team was to give him the contract, and their owner got involved. And I think in, in the NFL, the moment the owner starts to get involved in player acquisition, trades, draft picks, especially of that magnitude, usually disaster strikes. So I, I think the, the situations are separate. Because listen, when they hired Jimbo Fisher, I'd be lying if I said, I think this is going to be pretty good. He won at Florida State. Won a national championship, got him back to the playoffs again. They ended up losing to Oregon, but like... It's not like his resume didn't speak to success as a head coach. I think one problem in college is when they got you by the balls and you know he had a little success at Texas A&M, when Jimmy Sexton's your agent, he's going to destroy your athletic director who is just a crowd fundraiser and a president who's into academia. So I, I don't think they're quite like, they just circle you like sharks and they take advantage. Like, for example, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that Jimmy Sexton leveraged Kentucky with the A&M thing to get his client, Mark Stoops, more money, which is his job. It's his prerogative. There is no better business if you're an agent than to represent college coaches because you're dealing with ADs and presidents. You have the advantage. Jimmy is such a big advantage. So, yeah, a little, I, I don't even think it's low self-esteem because Jimbo was a good, like, that That was a smart hire. It really was. 
Look who Texas has hired. Tom Herman's, Charlie Strong's, even Sark. I, I wouldn't call Sark exactly like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart when they hired him. So I, I think A&M's more about they got, they got taken advantage of with the buyout. Now, is there a low self-esteem with the buyout portion? Maybe a little. Sometimes, let's face it, we just do bad business deals. I've done them. You've done them. Now, there's a difference between a bad business deal that might cost you $1,000 or if you run a business that might cost you fifty grand. That is not that big a deal. And there's another one if you run a business like, this might bankrupt us or this might force us to lay off five people. And when you make a business decision like A&M did, even if you have the funds to pay it off, it has ripple effects. So I think it's more, the Haslam thing was period, point blank, desperation. To me, the A&M thing was just like, I think you thought you had a guy that could help you compete against Saban and Kirby, and it turned out he couldn't. And I don't necessarily blame them for thinking that. I will support that way. Call me an idiot, but I do. If you're the Bills, do you consider trading Josh Allen for an incredible haul of picks and starting over? Cap hit jumps $18 million to something like forty-seven next year, assuming the Russell Wilson deal is the absolute floor for such a deal. Also, I live in Phoenix, right near the Raven. Played there many times. Nice uh, DM meeting you, Drew. I would say absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because what's the point of making a trade like that if you're the Bills? You're just then going to try to acquire another Josh Allen. You have the hardest guy to find. Josh Allen's cap hit to me, kind of irrelevant, honestly, because he's worth every penny of the cap hit. Why we've talked about Deshaun Watson's cap hit going from 20 million to 60 plus million because he's not good enough to be that high. The version of Josh Allen, like if he's a $47 million cap hit, I would just restructure. I would guarantee some money and move it back. I think that's what they end up doing. So my first reaction, and I, I wouldn't even need to sleep on it, that there is no offer you could give me that I would trade Josh Allen. Zero. You could be the Bears and be like, listen, we will trade you the first pick, the seventh pick, and next year's one for Josh Allen. I'd say kick rocks. I would rather have Josh Allen than all those picks because the likelihood that one, Caleb or whoever, turns into Josh Allen is slim to none. History would show us that. Are the Carolina Panthers the new Cleveland Browns? I think there is an element of impatience, hiring the wrong guys, not knowing what to look for. I think it's a combination of everything. And then your team not being good enough. Because it's like, well, it's Frank. Should you keep him? <laughs> you know, that's, that's my thing. Like, what should Hugh Jackson? Like, what, what Mike Pettin? Like, you hire bad coaches. What are you supposed to do? You got to fire him. But then once you fire him, once you're in a position, it, it, I would say the Frank decision is dramatically worse than anything he's ever done. Because he was in position, he had just seen it, and he overcorrected which is the nature of the world, right? You date someone who has a lot of good things going for and is missing one quality that you like, the next girl could have that one quality, but then missing all the things that you liked about the other girl. So I think that's exactly what he did with Frank to Matt Rule. What did Matt Rule lack? NFL experience. Was over at college coach, right? And that was a major mistake for Dave Tepper. And also, you know, not viewed as a very dynamic offensive guy. So what does he do? 
he hires a guy who's just the NFL, Frank, player, coach, who can coach the quarterback. And in his mind, he overcorrected. But it turns out Frank's not that good of a coach. Frank's not that good of a coach. Whether you believe Michael Lombardi, that the Wentz thing helped him lose his fastball, I'd argue I just don't think he was ever that good. He, He was not getting job interviews seven years ago before Josh McDaniels turned down the Colts. He was not a candidate. When you can't hire the right coach, your organization's going to look like shit. I saw it with the Sacramento Kings forever. They just kept hiring bad coaches. I don't care what franchise you're in, what industry, you hire the wrong people, it's going to look bad. Even if you got a good product, even if you got some good players, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm 100% convinced that McDermott has to go. There is no leadership right now. In closed games, I don't trust anything we're doing. Sunday's game hurt me as a fan more than I can even explain. Can you convince me I'm wrong? Can you shed any hope on Bill Bill's Nation? Aren't you guys Bill's Mafia? Uh, need some positivity right now. Kevin, here's what I would say. I think Sean's good, and he's proven to be. You guys have won a lot of games together, right? He helped resurrect your franchise with Josh. But those last couple drives, obviously the game drive in the overtime that when Jalen scored debacle right down the field. To me, the game, the ending drive in regulation, when he just goes, he's the defensive coordinator, starts going prevent defense and just giving up easy plays. It's like, what are you doing? Just play normal. If you get beat, you get beat. You tip your fucking hat. But do not go to prevent defense and just give them the right to 8 to 10 yards of play. There's not 20 seconds left. Right there, they got the ball back with a lot of time. So I thought that was pretty piss poor. And let's face it, the field goal would have been a lot closer if one of the best players in Eagle history didn't essentially jump off sides twice. So it ain't pretty. It's it's not. But back to you know what we've been talking about. Who are the candidates? To me, Kraft would not let Belichick go to the Bills. I, I couldn't let him go to the Bills with Josh Allen. But if I was the Bills, I'd be all over Bill Belichick. I'll promise you that. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the Colts and Shane Sykin and the job he's done so far. Currently, they're 6-5, and five, and if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. He's out winning games with Minshew Mania at quarterback. If D'Amico's name is going to be thrown around for coach of the year, then we need to throw Shane in there as well. Totally agree. They win this weekend at Denver. They're 7-5 and five with their top draft pick basically missing the entire season and playing with a backup. It's an incredible accomplishment. I'm betting against it. I don't think it's sustainable, not because I don't believe in their coordinator or, you know, their head coach who's their coordinator, who's awesome. He's really good. But Jonathan Taylor's now banged up. It just feels a little smoke and mirrors, but sometimes you just keep writing off these teams like this and you eventually get bit. No question for me here, John, but have to be honest. Already can't wait for your rant about NBC giving us the middle finger with subbing in Jason Garrett in the shotgun seat next to Tarico. Well, I, I talked about it the other night. You can find it. It's only YouTube only on the YouTube page. I, I talked, reacted to the Sunday Night Football and, and Jason Garrett. I, here's what I don't quite understand. I'm all for we all need time. When you're an NFL broadcaster, right, like uh, Collinsworth as an analyst, it's not a seven-day-a-week, 365 job, right? It's it's like a teacher divided by four. You work 16, 17 games a year, and you get the rest of the year to fucking dick around. So he's making millions, 
and listen, I, I totally understand being with your family and stuff, but Chris, we need you, man. You, you cannot, having to have Jason Garrett as your backup, that, that's pretty crazy to me. That, that's, that's a crazy reflection on NBC that he is the backup announcer for Chris Collinsworth. This is the number one television show in America, and that's who they rolled out there. Very disappointed with their decision, but that ain't changed anytime soon. Longtime fan and aspiring podcaster. My day job is super demanding. I want to pose a line of thinking. I hear you and Colin talk about fields often, and I regrettably think it's time to move on from him, mainly to restart the rookie clock. I know it's hard for people like you and Colin to consume Bears football at a high level, but I think you should watch the last five starts by field a bit closely. I think he's a product of another failed Green Bay assistant. Last night's game plan and calls ask him to throw behind the line of scrimmage roughly 46% of the time, which most of which the defense and the audience knew were coming. I think Chicago will trade him in the offseason and start over, but I hear everyone wanting Caleb, and I have big concerns and red flags for him. Maturity, plays way too much hero ball, which you get away with in college, holds the ball along like fields, and has ball security issues. Despite all of this, everyone seems to be ready to anoint him. I am not sold, but I don't do this for a living, and your opinion means a lot. Well, here's my thing. Let's go back, and I'm with you. Caleb is no sure thing. None of these quarterbacks in this draft are a sure thing. So just because you get rid of fields doesn't mean you're getting Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. I'm in agreement there. Honestly, Caleb makes me nervous just like any college quarterback does beside, like, Andrew Luck. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's risky. I do think when you look at Justin Fields, the reason they call a lot of screens is he can function at them. When they ask him to go backwards, five-step, seven-step drops, what would you just say? Holds the ball too long. So when I ask him to make decisions, clearly that's a struggle for him, and it does not go well. What were his best plays last night? I can't believe we're talking about this Monday Night Football game, but you're a Bears fan. I hear you. Was when he was scrambling around, right? He made countless plays scrambling to his left, throwing across his body. I was like, damn, that's not a coat. That's just pulling a play out of his ass. He's a great freelancer. Football's not a freelance game in the pros. Football is, you got to play within the confines of the offense. And the offense can't ask him, early in the season, what did they do? They asked him to run a normal offense. How'd it go? It was ugly. Everyone's shitting on Getze, which he might suck. I think he's asking him to run plays that he knows that he can pull off. Right? Of course he can pull off like when nothing's there, scramble, throw it across his body, make a sweet play to DJ Moore. But if I just ask you to run a normal five-step drop with you know longer developing routes where you have to maybe look off your first option, go to your second option. It's going to take a little bit of time. He has proven that he can't really do that. And you're talking to a guy, I loved him coming out of college because I loved the size, the strength, the arm. But part of playing quarterback, there is there's an unquantifiable feel to the position, instincts to the position. And when you watch him play, like, I, listen, the fumbles as a runner, like, if you're going to run the ball, like, you might fumble. Like, Lamar Jackson might fumble. <laughs> I mean, I... It, it, that's a little freakish to me because I actually like when he's running the ball because it's one of his better, obviously his best attribute. But I think you guys get mad that he their offense doesn't look like, you know, I, I don't even know, 
the Rams or the 49ers. Like, I, I don't think they think they can run that offense, right? I mean, they don't think he could run the Aaron Rodgers offense when he was in Green Bay, even as they meshed it with LaFleur and Rodgers' concepts. Like, they, they don't think he can do it. Now, listen, it doesn't mean coaches are always right. They could be wrong. They might just be wrong. And he has untapped potential. I've seen enough go, I don't know. I, I don't really see it. I see a guy who's just, at this level, it, it doesn't feel like it's coming naturally to. And it's hard to play quarterback when you can't just drop back and throw. And that, it doesn't feel like he can. You have truly made it, my man. While it's ultimately a courtesy of the Taylor Swift effect to see your take not just on the pages of the Daily Mail online, but in the showbiz section of the Mail Online, easily the UK's most visited news outlet, I'd imagine one of the most popular in the world is something. Let's effin' go. And he sent me a link. Travis Kelsey looks old and is wobbling for the Chiefs, but it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift, says ex-NFL scout John Middlecoff. He's 34, and it has a lot of miles on his body. I guess I was quoted in talking to Colin in the Daily Mail. It's a first. God, Travis Kelsey's a big deal, man. Holy moly. Okay, last question. I was listening to Andrew Brandt's podcast the other day, and he was talking about the cost of running NFL Europe when it folded. They were losing $32 million a year. It got me thinking. Wouldn't the NFL and the NFL ownership be so much better off if NFL Europe still existed to help develop pro-ready backup quarterbacks and better developed offensive linemen to protect these quarterbacks? Wouldn't the NFL owners lose less money if their coaches were better trained through practice coaching and development leagues so they didn't have to light guarantee contracts and fire guys on a yearly basis? I get the XFL and USFL exist, but to me, since the league is so interested in European markets and the league would do better with the presence of the internet as a marketing tool, it seems like a no-brainer to revive the project. These guys are not into losing money, man. They're really not. And I hear you. It's like it might benefit them big picture, but if I say, hey, first couple of years, you're going to lose 30, 40, 50 million dollars, it's going to be a no. It's just going to be a no. And sometimes you got to see the forest before the trees, but I, I, I don't see them doing it. I, I think in 32 million dollars, what year was NFL Europa? 15 years ago? So what inflation costs? I mean, what are we talking now? talking 75 million dollars a year i just i don't think they would do it we will end on that adios the volume allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. 
It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 